morning and welcome to our daily word and prayer. My name is Tom Short. I'm so glad to have you along today with us as we get into the word of God, talk about how it affects our lives, pray over it, and allow it to affect our lives. Indeed, this is a crying need of our day, is it not? The advancement of the gospel and that more and more believers would be true disciples whose lives are being transformed by the word of God so that what we say we believe really affects the way we live. So that's what we want to do here. And I'm glad you're along with us today. Can smart people believe in God? Believe it or not, I'm asked this on campus quite often. And the idea is backed up by maybe more than we'd like to acknowledge. It's true evidently, although we'll look at the other side of this tomorrow, but it's true that the higher level of education you have, the less likely you are to believe at least in the Christian God and in the Bible and what the Bible teaches. The more educated you are, the more likely you are to have no religion, evidently. This is almost a given that, that it just doesn't even go challenged anymore. The higher your education, the more likely you are to reject the tenets of the Christian faith. So does this mean that smart people can't believe in God? And the smarter you become, the less likely you are to believe in God? I might put just a little bit of a change or a little bit of nuance on this and change one word. And that is not that smart people don't believe in God, but highly educated people are less likely to believe in the Christian faith. And so why is that? Well, it's not necessarily that your IQ or your wisdom or your ability to think critically causes you to stop believing in God. Rather, it's who's doing the educating. Who's doing the indoctrination will affect what you believe. Now, you might not like this word indoctrination, and I know it has negative implications, but actually, that is what education is. Education is We'd like to say that education, I only want my kids to learn how to think. But that's naive. No, education teaches us, ought to teach us how to think, but it definitely also teaches us what to think. That's what education is. Education is inculcating in people language, uh, history, uh, mathematics, Science, yes, even things like psychology, philosophy, sociology. No class really just says, hey, think for yourself. No, they teach you, the teacher teaches you what they want you to learn, and they give you the background and the information, and then hopefully they help you put it together, or they teach you how to put it together. I heard recently the difference between knowledge and wisdom, and I really like this comparing it to a puzzle. Knowledge is like the pieces of a puzzle. Wisdom is the ability to put those pieces together and form the puzzle. And so when we think of wisdom, knowledge, that's the giving of the information. And when you're tested in school, you're tested. Do you know the information? Wisdom is the ability to put together that information. But let's be honest. Not all, you can't learn everything. 
every teacher, every school must be selective in deciding what's important to learn. And this is the process of education, teaching, the process where the teacher says to the pupil of all the realm of knowledge in the world, and there's more than anyone can possibly know, this is what I, th I think you need to know to be an educated person. Now, there was a time, historically, when Christians led the way in education. I don't know if you realize this, but of the first 125 universities formed in America, colleges and university, universities, 123 of them were founded by churches or Christian, Christian organizations. They were, it was assumed that knowledge started with the Bible. Knowledge started with the, with the fear of God. As it says in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom. It was assumed that any intelligent person obviously believed not only in God, but in the Christian God. And this, there was a time in our nation, in our history, where that was just a given. You couldn't believe in you couldn't be a smart person if you didn't believe in God. And indeed, as you look throughout our history, throughout the knowledge of, or the history of, of growth in knowledge and information, so many of the scientific disciplines, almost all of them in the, in the last couple hundred years, almost all the scientific disciplines, the founders of them, the fathers of them, the ones who, who really had tremendous breakthroughs, were believers in God and in the Christian God. And many, many of them believed in Genesis literally as well. That's all changed. That's all changed. It began to change in the early 20th century with the rise of, uh, actually in the mid-19th century, with the rise of evolution and Darwinian evolution and the onslaught of becoming a, a philosophy known as naturalism or materialism, the belief that the material world is all that exists. If you can't see it, smell it, taste it, touch it, hear it, if it's not physical, it's not real. It's just opinion. Anything like God, any belief in God would only be a matter of faith. It's not necessarily, and faith was redefined as things that aren't really true. It's just your opinion. But what's true is only what's, what's physical is only the realm of what the realm of truth is only in the realm of the physical. But the point I want to say is it's not always been, it was once that Christians led the way intellectually. And with the rise of Darwin and the materialism and naturalism as a philosophy, and then our universities in the early 20th century became more and more like this. And now they are essentially hostile to the Christian faith. And folks, I want to I want to say this: the universities are hostile to a strong faith in the Christian God. There are very few out there that will that very few universities that a student attending will not run into at least one and probably multiple professors who would make it a, a, a not a stated goal, but who would seek to undermine the faith in the Christian God. They see it as simple-minded, outdated, ignorant, things of this nature. And they would feel it their moral responsibility to deliver uh, a young uh, a student 
from believing in the God, God of the Bible. This is real. And if your kids or grandkids are going to go to the university, you'd better realize this is a battle they're involved in. And we'd better, re many of us better re-question the value of sending our kids, our best, our brightest, to the university. I may get into that later this week, but today what I want to point out is this. It matters who teaches you. Again, I tell the students when they, when they tell me, hey, Tom, you realize that the more educated you are, the more likely you are to not believe in God? I say, well, it depends on who does the educating. Let me educate him for four years. Let me have him from the age of 18 to 22. And I think you're going to be more likely to believe in God, not less likely. Send them to an atheist, have an atheist teach them, have a scoffer or a mocker teach them, expose them to that for the, those four years. And of course, they're going to be far more likely to not believe in God. And folks, let me point out something else. The, a generation or two ago, we talked about how easy it was to lose your faith in college. Well, all those people who lost their faith in college are now teachers in the high school and the, and the middle school and the elementary schools. And so now it's becoming more and more easy to lose your faith in any education. And it doesn't necessarily mean that teachers are evil or bad or, or have bad motives. This is just what they believe. And we've got to understand, teachers teach what they believe. They've got to make decisions. And so you've got to be careful who you allow your kids to look up to, respect, and learn from. This is the thing about education. When you send someone to school, you teach them, respect your teacher. That's essential. That's important. You don't teach, send them to school and say, uh, don't respect your teacher. Why would you do that? You want to teach your kids to respect their teacher, so you better be careful what your teacher believes, what they think. Because if you don't want them to embrace their teacher's beliefs, be careful about teaching your kid, respect them and sit in their class and learn, let them teach you all day long. This ought to be obvious. Those of us who know the scripture, it ought to be obvious. But let me give you a couple verses that, that should be help clear this up. Psalm 1, verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So often our kids are losing their faith because they're spending hours every day listening to the counsel of the wicked. And, and it doesn't mean that they're, sometimes they're just terrible, terrible people, but sometimes it just means they don't believe in God. They have no faith in God. Their faith is in themselves completely. Their faith is in human knowledge. They've embraced the religion of secular humanism. And our kids are listening to them hour after hour, day after day, week after week, hearing their counsel, hearing their teaching, embracing their worldview, meaning embracing a view of how you see the world, being indoctrinated, being taught by these people. And I say again, education is indoctrination. We don't like that word. It has negative connotations, but that's exactly what it is. It is teaching what to think and how to think, how to think about the world, how to solve the world's problems, what to think, what's important. This is what teachers teach, and this is what students learn. 
Psalm 1 goes on to say that the wise person, the blessed person, meditates on the law of the Lord. In, his law, in, uh, in, his law, in, in God's law, he meditates day and night. I will say again, and I've said before, our Christian faith must be central in our education. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. This is so critical to how a young person thinks. God's got to not only be allowed as a possibility, but he's the beginning. He's the foundation. He must be central in knowledge and understanding. In, in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, Jesus gives us a very important principle in teaching. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, hear that word from Jesus, everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. We want to think education means I will only know what my teacher knows. But knowledge and beliefs have, have implications in how we live. And so a disciple or a learner, once he's fully trained, fully taught, fully educated, will be like his teacher. Not just know what his teacher knows, but he'll believe what his teacher believes. And he'll do, he'll live, he'll, his, his character will be like the one who teaches him. This is why, again, it's so important that you know who's teaching your kids. Who are the teachers? And it doesn't just mean, oh, when we go to parent-teacher night, they were nice or they smiled or they seemed friendly. No, you want to understand how they look at life how they think about the great moral issues of our day, how they approach marriage, family, how they think about God, how they think about the great questions of life, the old college questions. Who am I? How did I get here? Where am I going? What is our destiny? What is the purpose of humanity on earth? And how you answer those questions is very, very, very vital into what a child will embrace as they grow up. Do they believe they're just here as an accident of nature called evolution? Or do they believe that there's an almighty God who, who put them on this earth, that he has a plan for their life? Or is all of life a chance and there's no purpose to it? See, these, these questions have implication. And you ought to know the teachers of your kids and grandkids, what do they believe about these things? What do they think? It will come through. It, it affects the, these ideas affect the way a person thinks. They affect what a teacher thinks a child should learn, and therefore they will affect what that child embraces as their worldview as they grow up into adulthood, how they will live their life. It, it's important who's indoctrinating your child and your grandchildren. Now, from that, I want to say, I, I want to make a comment here. I've been blessed by the rise of the homeschool movement. Roz and I chose to homeschool our kids. We, we homeschooled them up to about middle school. In middle school, we put them in Christian education uh, for the most part. One, some had a couple years of public education when we lived in San Diego. Availability and, the, and what we could afford wasn't quite there. But for the most part, as, the, as time went on, we had, had them in a public a Christian school, excuse me. Um, during this pandemic, there's been an incredible rise in homeschooling. I think it's because of two things. Number one, parents have been frustrated 
with the uh, virtual learning. And number two, they've been frustrated with what the kids are learning. Not only the, one, the process. Number two, the content. And as they've seen their kids being taught and they walk by and hear what's being said over that Zoom call, they realize, wow, my, my kid's learning that. My eighth grader's learning that. My sixth grader, my high schooler, they're learning that. Evidently, there have been in the last year or going into this, this current school year, there were 1.2 million new families chose to homeschool. That's quite a few. It's probably more than one child per family. 1.2 million new families. I was encouraged to discover this with minority minorities. 16% of black families and 12% of Hispanic families now homeschool their children. I applaud that. I've thought uh, we're all concerned about we don't want the, the huge income inequality. We don't want there to be this uh, a class, especially not based on race, of who can succeed and who can't in our culture, in our, in our society. And I've thought that one of the big reasons that uh, minorities are held down in our society is the poor education they get, the poor schooling, the poor availability of schooling. And I want to suggest that these 16% of black families and 12% of Hispanic families are going to be far more likely to succeed and to rise economically in their future and to have a future than those who aren't taking advantage of that. Why? Because they're being taught by the people who care the most about them. They're being taught by people who will demand, I hope, discipline and understanding and very likely a faith in God and will help rescue their kids from the, the, the terror of peer pressure that often holds people back from success. But how about you? How about your kids or your grandkids? How about people in your, are you helping them figure out educational opportunities? Are you helping them figure out how they could homeschool if they like? Are you helping them? Many would say, I just can't do it. We don't have the time. We don't have the money. We can't do it. I'm not able. And indeed, our God wants us to be creative. He'll, if we're willing, God will help us have creative ideas. Maybe there will be others. People, uh, yesterday at church, I met a young gal. She's just so impressive to me, so smiling, so confident, so sure, and, and uh, such, such a wonderful spirit she exhibited. And She's part of a homeschool co-op where parents get together and they, they help one another uh, educate their kids. What an awesome thing. And the fruit of it was just beaming evident right in front of me. Folks, are you going to be, can smart people believe in God? Absolutely. But not if they're educated by people who despise God, who reject God, who exclude God from knowledge. If that's who's educating your kids, don't be surprised when your kids become like those people. That's what Jesus warned us would happen. Be careful who indoctrinates your children. Maybe you should be doing it. Maybe you should be the one training your child in the ways of God. Maybe you should be the one or others in your church or others in your family. Maybe you should be the one taking that primary responsibility to say, these are children God gave me and we're going to raise them to be good Christian kids and to understand why our way of thinking and the truth of God is far superior to anything people have ever come up with. Father, we thank you today that truth comes from you. 
You said we'd know the truth and the truth would set us free. But you warned us that people would suppress the truth because they refused to honor you. Father, we grieve today as we think of so much of our education. In many cases, nice and well-meaning teachers, but their hands are tied. They're not allowed to even talk about God. They risk losing their job if they do. And so often, Father, the godly teachers have gone on to Christian school or homeschool or, or even whole other careers. We pray, Father, for I pray for the parent, the children of those on this live stream today, this podcast. Help them, Father, to be not to be passive about their children's education. Help them, Lord, to be interested in it, to know who's teaching their children, who's indoctrinating their children, to understand what they believe, why they believe it, what's really being taught. Help us, Father, not to be naive. Help us not to wake up too late and realize that that my children, I, I allowed people to teach them things I don't agree with, and now their mind has been so formed it's too late. Help us, Lord. We pray for our own kids. We pray they'd be God-fearing, God-loving men and women of faith. We believe, Lord, this is what we're designed to be. Help us to understand how true faith in God is the foundation of wisdom and knowledge. And we pray, Lord, raise up a whole generation. Raise up a mighty generation. Lord, maybe this is the silver lining from this, the, all these lockdowns. Is a whole new generation of godly young men and women will grow up with a strong faith and become leaders in the future because they've been trained and educated by people who love them and care for them, and they gain the true knowledge that comes from a faith in God. We pray for this next generation. Guard them. Protect them. Help them, Lord, not to be... Uh, so many, there's so many that are turning away from you. We pray for them, Lord, that a breakthrough, a revival in this next generation on the campuses, in the high schools, in the elementary schools, that there'd be a great returning to faith in God. Raise up godly teachers. Lord, we ask you to, to save the public education system, but it has to be reformed dramatically. Lord, whatever rejects you won't work. Whatever rejects you and puts you on the outside won't be blessed. And we pray that it could be a return to true faith in God as our schools once had. We pray these things. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, thanks for joining me. Over these next couple of days, I'm going to talk more about faith in God, atheism, education, knowledge. So I hope you join me. And I hope uh, you learn a lot because this is important stuff. This is important stuff. If you, have, if you know parents who are making education decisions, uh, have them, have them uh, share this with them. Make sure they tune in over the next few days, okay? So thanks, God be God bless you. And until we meet tomorrow, 8.30 a.m. live here or the live stream later on in the day, you can watch it anytime or you can listen to the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. Just search for Tom the Preacher. So until tomorrow when we meet again, God bless you. God make his face shine upon you. God fill you with his grace and his spirit. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.